Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today we're talking about toxic positivity. We sure are. I'm excited about this one. Me too. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot. Also, this was listener requested, so heck yeah. Yeah, if you ever have requests, hit us up on Instagram at Educated Messes. We love to chitty chat with the community, so. Send us an educated message. Oh yeah, cute. Oh yeah. (laughs) Cool. So we're going to start with sort of a description of what toxic positivity is. It's like a fairly new term, and I think it's like fairly new to Kyla and I as well, and Once we start to get into it, I think you'll recognize it very clearly, but just the term Mm -hmm. itself will kind of break down. So toxic positivity is defined as being the assumption either by oneself or others that despite a person's emotional pain or difficult situation, they should only have a positive mindset or positive vibes. And that is a definition by a clinical psychologist named Dr. Zuckerman. So definitely like a concept that psychologists are talking about more and more. And I think something that also got very heightened during a pandemic, given the nature Mm. of how people spoke about it and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good definition. So (laughs) I'll give some (laughs) examples. It's not mine. (laughs) I'll give some examples of, of phrases that resemble toxic positivity. I think these will all sound very familiar. Ooh, I'm excited. It'll all be fine. Be grateful for what you have. In the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. You're lucky. You should smile more. Don't worry about it. It could be worse. Don't be so negative. Always look on the bright side. Everything (laughs) happens for a reason. Think happy thoughts. Oh my god, I have like goosebumps and I don't know why. Anger goosebumps. I think I'm guilty of a lot of those at times. Oh, yeah. I think we're about to expose ourselves as being uh, culprits. I'm nervous. (laughs) So there, I found a little online quiz. I'm not sure how reputable it is, but we're going to do it about, like, it's going to tell us if we're toxically positive or not. Okay. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, as I ask them, you can answer them and then you'll get an idea of, you know, where you <sighs> land. Okay. We'll link it in the show notes too if you want to <laughs> sure. refer back to it. <laughs> Question one. I hide or mask my negative feelings. Not me describes me somewhat or definitely me. Okay. Am I answering this first? I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> I would say this definitely used to be me it's classic kyla can't just answer multiple choice questions okay can i get some more context (laughs) no we're having a discussion (laughs) it's true it's true depends on the context too i think i'm more likely to be (laughs) stop we're discussing (laughs) fine no doesn't apply to me (laughs) really you don't hide or mask them in front of anyone? Mm, I haven't been around people in so long. It's hard <laughs> to remember. <laughs> I think I've gotten a lot better at this. I think work would be the main place where I feel pushed to maybe like hide feelings. I think that's kind of, there's like a certain level of professionalism though that like you couldn't come in every day and just be like, 
I'm I'm really grumpy today. Like people would just kind of be like, this, like there's a time and a place. So you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with describes us somewhat, just for ease of of moving forward. Second question. Wait, are you not answering? I said it describes me somewhat. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I leveled us out together. Okay, okay. I often feel guilty for feeling sad. Not me, describes me somewhat, or definitely me. Oh, definitely me. Yes. Definitely, yeah. I feel like the conversation in my head is always, oh, like, you've done so much work, you shouldn't feel this way. (laughs) Garbage talk, but (laughs) yeah. Relatable. Question three. I try to just get on with it by dismissing my negative emotions. Not me, describes me somewhat, definitely me. I can answer this one first. Okay. I do this and then I say to myself, you know you shouldn't do this. <laughs> so it's like my natural inclination is to go just like, ah, just don't worry about it. Like, uh, shake it off. Yeah. And then I actively am now the type of person where I'm like, it's okay to be sad. You can like take five and chill on this. And, but it's a, I definitely like, that is not the thing that comes first. That's my brain kicking in and going like, hey, actually, you don't need to like be super productive today. That was a really bad day yesterday, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I would say same answer for me. I think what I've noticed in myself is the cycle of noticing that thought and then kind of like processing the emotions is becoming shorter, which I see as a a good thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. I put us, I put us as somewhat. Okay. I don't think we're I don't think we're able to say not me quite no. yet. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I minimize my negative experiences with feel good statements or quotes. <laughs> <laughs> this is 100% me. Uh, I always say everything happens for a reason. This too shall pass. Yeah, oh so god. Cool. Literally said that to a friend the other day. Yeah. I think I do. Oh, I think I'm getting better. Like my new mantra, we we have said this in another episode, but it's like I'm good enough. It's good enough. That's kind of like the new vibe I'm heading into life with, which I don't think is a toxic positivity thing. But I don't know. <laughs> <I'm nervous>. <laughs> Questions <laughs> everything. Okay, I put that. I put us down for pretty heavy on that one because yeah. I really weighed us down. Okay. It- in my experience, giving space to negativity only brings one further down. Hmm. Not me describes me somewhat. Definitely me. It's like after after doing research for this episode, I'm like, no, definitely we should lean into the negative. I know. <laughs> like before before this week, I would have been like, you shouldn't dwell. Yeah. Which is also like a that's a catchphrase too. Like don't dwell on the past. I turn into like a bumper sticker. Okay, the question is if I feel like giving space to negativity just brings you further down. That's the question. Mm -hmm. You know what I've noticed in myself is that I definitely tend towards the side of like numbing as a means of coping. Um, And I am getting better at recognizing what I call stuck feelings. And then, I mean, it's not perfect though. So I don't know. I would say kind of, yeah, that does apply. But yeah, it's like not dwelling. I don't know. (laughs) I brush difficult issues aside with statements such as, it is what it is. Ah, fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> I do this so much. I think I do this. I think that I say it is what it is, like, 
at least three times a week. Edie's what Edie. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I thought I didn't think that that was me doing that, but that is no. This podcast is canceled. I'm gonna put definitely me because I say it enough for like a small army. Question seven. I pretend to be happy even when I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like this is difficult because <laughs> we've been at home so much. So I think that like maybe my most authentic self is around a lot more. But if I were to think like being around friends, I probably wouldn't try and like I would try and brush things off. I think probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When someone is feeling down, I encourage them by saying things like, it could be worse. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think I do this either. No. <laughs> Watch people come out of the woodworks with, like, receipts of me saying I know. I'm oh sure, God. like, in the past I would have said that. For sure. Yeah, I, I probably have. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but I think that now I understand that that's not a helpful thing to say. Yeah. It's kind of like playing trauma Olympics to be like, well, so-and-so had this happen or like compared to yeah. these people, you're fi- It's like, what? how are you? We, What's no, the wait. scale? We say that to ourselves all the time on this podcast of like, I know it could be worse. Oh, goddamn. It's the boat thing. My freaking boat motto is coming back to bite me. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> Everything's upside down. I'm going to say somewhat. (laughs) Okay. Question nine. I believe that people who focus too much on their problems instead of just staying positive are likely to become depressed. Fuck. Not me. Describes me somewhat. Definitely me. If you focus on your problems too much, you're likely to become depressed. I think I said this like last episode. (laughs) Oh, God. To myself. Like, I think a lot of these things I... Like, to myself, I would have one response, and to other people, I would have a different response. You know what I mean? But I was reading a thing about how you can be – you can practice toxic positivity against yourself. Like, that's a common way that it works, is you'll be like, things could be worse, Kyla. Yeah. i definitely guilty at, like, the internal toxic positivity. I don't know if I would apply that to anyone else. But, yeah, I guess it does apply if I'm using it internally. You you count. (laughs) I count as a person. You count. <laughs> you count as someone that what? you're doing this to. Who, me? <laughs> what? what? I force myself to be happy. <laughs> okay, hit me. Whew, this is hard. <laughs> it is hard. I, f- I feel like we kind of already did this one, but I force myself to be happy by focusing on the positive. I literally said this last podcast. <laughs> it's like I'm training <laughs> my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we told everyone we're allowed to change our minds so yeah Yeah, new information is coming up (laughs) okay i have our results here i'm afraid that the meter is showing us to be quite red um very strong indication of toxic positivity you're strongly inclined towards excessive and ineffective optimism and you have a marked tendency to dismiss the existence of negative emotions Furthermore, you are likely to pretend to be happy even when you're not. Finally, it is very common for you to force positive emotions on others who are hurting. Okay, that's enough of that. I feel like I agree at all the internal stuff. I, I, 
I don't know that I do that to others. I would like to, <laughs> maybe I'm just like wishful thinking. Uh, it's scary. You're just being positive. <laughs> JK, JK. Okay. So. I feel like I just got like ripped to shreds. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tough way to start. You're terrible. Let's continue. Go, go, go. Oh, sweet, 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 sweet. I'm a terrible person. So for those of you listening, obviously, like if you answered a lot of somewhat or yes, that's me, you likely would be in the same arena as us. I don't think we answered no to really any of them. If you answered no to some of them, that's cool. But if if you didn't, we're in the same boat. It's okay to feel sad right now. (laughs) Me practicing. I hurt Kyla's feelings. I hurt my feelings. (laughs) You know what, Kyla? You should just not worry about it, okay? Just mm. smile more. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think obviously that's a very simplistic version of it, but I think what it does is just exposes some things that I think things that can get masked as being like optimistic. I'm definitely someone who associates with being an optimistic person. And so it's not to say that there's something wrong with being positive or being optimistic. What I think the big difference is, is typically toxic positivity is sort of disingenuine. Like it's not saying if someone's going through a tough time or like they just broke up with someone or they lost their job and we're saying things like it's all going to be fine. What's actually happening there is we don't feel comfortable addressing and sitting with them in like the really shitty spot that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so we'd rather use like a broad brush and just be like, everything's fine. You'll be okay. This too shall pass. As opposed to going like, this sucks. Let's talk about it. I'm like going to get into the muck with you. Hmm. I am just thinking about, I think I did this to you recently. A lot of people did this to me recently. (laughs) (laughs) At friends. (laughs) I think I said something like this really sucks right now, but like positive things. Fuck. So how are you? Okay, I need to do some learning. I need to know better ways to respond to hardship. Like, should I just be like, yeah, yeah. it sucks, dude. <laughs> sucks to suck. So I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you should dwell on this. This is terrible. You might never, you might never bounce back from this. <laughs> oh. I actually have some ways to reframe statements oh to God. make sure that we're not dismissing people's feelings. Okay. So If I can use my own personal experience, so I just went through something really difficult and it was interesting because I am such a silver linings person. Like I I love to find like the lesson in things and all of that. I think that that's like a beautiful way to approach life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The one thing I can say from my personal experience just like the other week was that it's okay for me to find the silver lining in it and it's okay for me to know that this probably will work out for the best. But having people say that to you before you've gotten through the sticky part where you're just like, this sucks and I want to say that it sucks, I it didn't help because yeah. I was like, let me first just be like, mm, like this, you, like this is garbage. And don't be like, there's a silver line. Cause yeah. I know, I know there's a silver lining. And I'll get there. And when I get there, let's talk about the silver lining. But there was something about like the first thing being, oh, this is for the best that I was just like, 
okay, I guess then I guess we're done talking then. I was like, there's nothing really else yeah. for me to say because it, it is such a dismissal of like, well, if it's for the best, then me saying, oh, but I'm like a little bit heartbroken. There's not really room for that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not calling anyone out or anything. I'm just saying it was interesting for me to observe that because I wanted to be able to go I wanted to have a little bit of a pity party for a little while. I think that's okay. I don't yeah. like we don't need to just instantly find the good in everything. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm feeling like my world is being rocked right now. <laughs> oh my god. So we listened to a TED Talk, both of us um, preparing for this episode, and it was by psychologist Susan David called The Gift and Power of Emotional Courage, and we'll link it in the show notes. But one thing that she said, which again, just rocked my world, I am learning so much and I am uncomfortable, but she said that being positive has become a new form of moral correctness, which I literally so many times to Kelsey, I was like, can you believe this? Like, it's so true. But It's like that thing that we've talked about before of feeling like we need to bring like light and energy into meetings at work, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's like a way to run away from icky feelings. Yeah. That TED talk was so powerful. I felt like there were a couple really good takeaways around the good parts of life and the beautiful parts of life are inseparable Mm -hmm. from the fragility of it. So she was talking about how one thing I thought was funny was when she has people come to her and they say things like, I don't want to feel like this anymore, or I just want this feeling to go away or like stuff like that. She says, she said something like, you have the goals of dead people. Yeah. Like <laughs> there is no world in which you get to experience all the good and you don't have to experience the tough Ugh. and you can't separate them. Like you don't get to know love if you don't know heartbreak and you don't get to know success if you don't know failure and things like that. And and also what does love and what does uh, success feel like if you don't have a reference point mm-hmm. for it? Yeah. And it was such a nice way to reframe it because I think where I feel myself really lean into toxic positivity is I'm the type of person where I go, I don't want to spend time in a negative energy. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to waste time being sad when I could be happy. This mm-hmm. is like my internal dialogue. <laughs> And I think why that TED Talk was really impactful for me is her point was like, you don't get to skate over one to get to the other. They're inextricably like they are linked completely. You can't have one without the other. And so you have to accept that it's fragile and difficult and messy and lean into that so that you can get to the point where it's beautiful and exciting and light and vibrant and all of that. Yeah. This is reminding me of a couple of things. Well, first off, the quote that she used in the talk when she was making that point was that discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life, which I Mm -hmm. absolutely loved. And it kind of reminds me of things that we have talked about in the past about how suffering is a part of life. And it sounds so kind of dark, but it's true. And we've talked about how you can't numb out certain feelings and then feel other ones. And I think there was another thing that came up for me I think this was part of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, but one of her kind of thoughts that she practices is that I'm all in for the full experience of human life. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. includes the bad things and 
it is something that I've been trying to practice more is feeling those feelings all the way through. It, it reminds me a lot of what I do with my therapist with the somatic experiencing mm-hmm. and listening to what they're trying to teach me because I think that is such an interesting part of what I've been learning about emotions and the roles that they play. And she talked about it in this talk too, but that emotions are data and they're just there to tell us that something we care about is happening and then we can choose what to do about it. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. you have more notes on this. I thought this was a really interesting part of the talk about how you can like notice your feelings and then choose to act in a values aligned way. Oh, girl, it's just got me going. I thought it was cool when she said emotions are data, not directives, Mm -hmm. and that you can mine your emotions for your values. Because the example she gave just to make it like a little bit more literal, I guess, she used the example of like if you watch the news all the time and you feel really upset, Mm -hmm. it moves you to tears, you have a hard time engaging with it. What that might be telling you is you care a lot about justice and equity or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so what she's saying there is like that's an emotion that's happening naturally and you can mine that to understand these things are really important to me. When I see things that are happening that are unjust or harmful, whatever it is, I can then realize, okay, these are values that I have that are being sort of like betrayed by what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing. And so what I thought was really interesting is treating them more like data and going, okay, wow, this is sparking a strong reaction. I'm noticing that I'm feeling really upset about this. And instead of going, this isn't a big deal or I don't, why why am I upset about this? Instead going, okay, what triggered this? And then getting super curious about, I, I wonder why... I'm feeling this way? Mm. Is it something, what is it bringing up? And then using that to figure out like from a values perspective, what what you're finding in that information. Yeah. Ugh, I think that is so interesting and so, I, I don't want to say easily applicable, but it's very like action oriented. It's there's steps that you can use to dig through what I always call big feelings, what I, a therapist recently called if you feel activated, which I think that Mm. you can kind of, I feel like you know what that feels like, or I know what that feels like is when there's a lot of sensation going on in my Mm -hmm. body and like maybe I'm feeling really hot or like jittery (laughs) or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a sign. And I've had to learn this as someone who didn't know what feelings felt like literally Mm -hmm. like two years ago. When you notice those sensations, that's your body giving you information. And Mm -hmm. it's been so interesting to start applying those things. And I think hearing this TED Talk, it's become even more clear of like, how can I move towards those feelings? And through that, she was saying, basically move towards a meaningful life for you. Yeah. I even think a huge part of it too is to understand like the why behind it. Like why should I use this? Why should I use my emotions as information? Why should I focus on them? Mm-hmm. And what they, they've they done like extensive research on it. And when you suppress your emotions and you push them aside or ignore them, they get stronger. Yeah. And psychologists call that amplification. And 
people try to control their unwanted emotions. I know that as someone who, I mean, we've talked about Enneagram before, like control is something that I I really have to be mindful of. (laughs) And so when we try to control our emotions and say like, I don't want to feel this right now, or like it's inconvenient that I'm feeling this way, I'm going to push it aside. Those emotions end up controlling you because you're you'll pay the price eventually yeah. for that by not dealing with it when it needs oh, to be dealt with. My god, this brings up so much for me because I think we talked about this a bit in our episode. It's titled something like do our emotions affect our health? Mm-hmm. But this is something that I firsthand experienced in a big way and it's why I am so interested in learning this type of stuff. I was so out of touch with my emotions that I, I'm not kidding. I got an ulcer. I got so sick. I got sicker than I've ever been in my life because I didn't know that my body was trying to give me messages. And I just, I always say this, I just thought I felt weird or whatever. And I was just like powering through (laughs) and Mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying. Like you're going to have to feel those things whether you like it or not, and it's going to come out somehow. And (laughs) for me, it came out as an ulcer. Do not recommend. Feel your feelings. (laughs) Thinking about how toxic positivity shows up when we do it to ourselves, for me, even in the last little bit, ways that I can feel myself doing it are going, doing things like when I get really up, which when, even then, I was about to say, when I get really upset, which doesn't happen often, as if I need to specify, yeah. like as if I need to justify that I'm not someone who gets upset. Often. But it's just, <laughs> that's just interesting that I, that was my knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> so as when I'm going to get upset, I'll feel myself going, oh, you're probably just tired, mm. which is so sometimes interesting. True. <laughs> which is, yeah, sometimes true, but it's also such a dismissal of how I'm totally. feeling because it's like – oh, you only feel this way right now because you need a good night's rest, which again, like sleep helps. I'm not saying it's <laughs> never true. We love sleep. But it is interesting to instantly go like you probably just need some sleep Yeah. as opposed to going like I'm feeling upset right now. I wonder like what where that's coming from or I feel myself doing this thing where I'll start to feel what I imagine stress feels like, like mm-hmm. sort of a – anxious, nagging thought type thing. And I'll go, everything's going to be fine. There's no reason to be stressed. And it's it's almost masked as me like trying to calm myself. But what I'm actually doing is going like, you have no reason to be stressed when it's like, but I am. But I'm you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's so interesting that you're saying that. Something that I learned in uh, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, they talk about kind of how our brains developed. And this only to fact check, but the most <laughs> ancient part of our brain, they call the reptilian brain. Uh, I think that deals with like sensation and fully need to fact check this. But then the uh, slightly more developed part of the brain is the mammalian brain. And that's the part that sends these types of messages because Mm -hmm. there is something in your brain that's saying that I'm not safe right now. And logically, like your prefrontal cortex vibes Mm -hmm. will say there's nothing to be scared of, whatever. But those two parts of the brain, like they don't communicate in the same way. So the logic, it can't get through. So Mm -hmm. something I've I've learned is how you can deactivate that part of your brain when you are feeling these big 
maybe nonsensical feelings is Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is sounding so nerdy (laughs) but um it's basically activating your vagal nerve and you can do that through Mm -hmm. things like deep slow breathing if you put your hand on your chest meditation yoga and that calms down your central nervous system which is that Mm -hmm. that part of your body that is activated for some reason exactly what you're saying like it doesn't matter if there's nothing to be stressed about like you're stressed and you need to do something about it (laughs) well it makes sense because you're trying to fix a sensory reaction with a logical explanation as opposed to trying to fix it with like a sensory treatment by being like I need a hug or I need deep breaths or I need to me that's I mean now that I'm saying it I'm like of course that makes sense but it's it is interesting how often we try to explain ourselves out of a feeling yes I don't feel this way because or like this isn't really how like blah 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 your yeah. logic going I'm going to make sense of this yeah. as opposed to going like I'm currently feeling my heart rate is increasing I have my palms are sweaty whatever it is week <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever said palms are sweaty and not had someone do that It came to my mind instantly I was like it's it. Oh, sorry to derail you. No, but I, it is so interesting to just reconsider that and go like, okay, I'm having a physical reaction. Why don't I try and treat it physically as opposed to trying to treat it logically? Yeah. It's something that I've said to my therapist before. And I think I was kind of saying it before I read The Body Keeps the Score, which highly recommend. It's a super interesting book. Maybe trigger warnings. They talk about trauma, the whole thing. But I was saying things like, I... I logically know that I'm safe, but it's like my body doesn't believe me was something that I was feeling and saying in therapy. And it like it makes total sense. I find it so interesting. It's not easy. Like it takes a long time to kind of retrain those responses and it's a daily practice. But knowing that it it feels a little bit empowering. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. I think another thing that came up a lot when I was researching this is so we live in a culture where we're expected to portray ourselves as happy no matter what our circumstances are. And a huge role in that, like uh, social media plays a huge role in that. And I think it's so interesting that so often people need to say things like social media is a highlight reel, like da 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 da. There's this, you're not seeing everything because. Even though we logically understand that, when we are consuming people's best moments, even though we know that that's what it is, it still gets to people. And like, there's so many studies on social media's effect on our ability to be ungrateful about what we have and things like that, about like the way it affects our own happiness. And it's just interesting how, like, logically, you know, this is a highlight reel. And yet, if you consume it, you still are left with feelings of like, oh, this person has such a good life. They're so happy. Maybe if I had this, I'd be happy. Or this person and their partner never fight. <laughs> like, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't even think the antidote to that is people – like, social media is just – it's not real. So I don't think that the antidote lies in social media. But – I do think about how it trickles into our lives. Like I was just talking to a friend about how people don't really talk about like the shit that their partner does that 
drives them crazy. They just talk. We about- do. Yeah, I was like, this does not apply. But they talk about things like, they surprise me with this. Or like, look at the flowers. Or like, whatever it is. And so it's just interesting how like, it sort of plays into authenticity. Because when we're more honest and raw about like, what our life looks like with others, it lets others feel more comfortable doing that too. Because not everything is being ranked and sorted and... You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do about this? (laughs) Good question. So I'll start with some ways to reframe common phrases. Ooh, okay. So I found these on – I'll link the website, but it's called like the science of people. Instead of saying, it'll all be fine, say, how can I help you? Mm. Instead of saying, you seem low (laughs) or you seem down. Or tired or whatever the hell people say to people. You can say something like, is everything okay? Instead of saying, don't worry about it, say, what can I do to make this less stressful for you? Instead of saying, things could be worse, (laughs) say, this is really tough. I'm here for you. Can I do anything to help? Always look on the bright side. Say, it's really hard to see the good in this situation, but I hope we will will be able to make sense of it at some point. (sighs) Instead of saying everything happens for a reason, just say, do you want to talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) So those were some like common flips of just like (sighs) changing the language to just make space for someone as opposed to trying to patch it up nicely so they don't feel – I I think that it's so Mm well-intentioned. Everyone knows that. No one – toxic positivity does not mean someone's being malicious like – I'm going to shove good vibes on you and you need to just, you know what I mean? (laughs) It just, I think it's a natural response that people have when someone's sad and they care about that person. They want to try to make it better. And what we end up doing is often dismissing our our people's feelings because we don't let them sit in it for a bit. Yeah. One thing I found really interesting was the difference between fair weather friends and bad weather friends, which is sort of a concept that Brene Brown talks about and something that I've talked about before too, about like how you pick pick your group of people that you're going to tell your like shame spiral stories to because they know how to just like be in the mud with you and like they'll just sit there and be like, this is terrible. Let's talk about it. You need those people and those are your bad weather friends. Those are like your shit is hitting the fan and those people are just like, let's be in this moment. And fair weather friends are the ones who say things like, it'll all be fine. Don't worry because they don't, they don't feel comfortable getting into the mud with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, something that came up for me when you were saying that and it's related to Brene Brown too is reframing those thoughts internally is something that I was kind of journaling on a similar vibe yesterday. And the question I guess I was asking myself is how might I express empathy for myself here? And there's like a journaling exercise where you actually have a conversation with yourself, like in writing, you sound like a bit of a (laughs) cuckoo bean (laughs) but you can just delete it after but yeah talking yourself through it and I realized that I had a lot of shame around the bad feelings that I was feeling Mm -hmm. and embarrassment and 
so that was the solution for me is like how can I be compassionate and show myself empathy which is mm-hmm. harder <laughs> than helping other people sometimes I don't know mm-hmm. I think it's also like in the same way you can question it with yourself one thing I know that I do with my partner fairly often is like also just communicating what I'm looking for so if I'm saying this thing happened and I'm so upset about it, da 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 Yeah. And maybe his instant response is to be like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, he just wants to make it better. Often what I'll just say is like, I just want to be sad about it right now. Like, can can I just have the space to just like, yeah. I don't want us to fix it. I don't want to make plans for how we can improve it. Can you just like kind of sit with me in like my bummer mood right now? And honestly, just by even communicating that, he's just like, of course, yeah. like, let's just talk about it. But it's people's natural inclination is they want to make you feel better. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's so much value in communicating. And I've, I've done this too, even what I'm saying with like my friends over the past few weeks. I've done that where I've been like, I'm going to go up and down on this. And I'm, I'm, I need to have some space to like still be bummed out about it in a couple weeks I like it's not gonna get better right away and I think there's it kind of all comes back to this we talk about this a lot but like we can't expect things from people that we don't make clear to them (laughs) and so I think a huge part of this too while you're questioning it with yourself and giving yourself grace is also to give the people in your life grace because this is new to all me and Kyla just went through a quiz and it was like (laughs) we're terrible at all of this so not the masters oh god but I think like saying to someone like and I I ask my friends that question too when they're coming to me with something. I'll often say like, are you looking for advice or are you just looking for like yeah. someone to listen? 100%. Because I think that's really important. Like not you don't need to be an expert in how to reply to someone. Yeah. Sometimes you just need someone to sit there and like hold your hand and be your buddy and like not try to patch it all together and make it look pretty. Totally. That so everything you're saying about making a request is big nonviolent communication vibes which we talk about a lot but we'll link it there's a really good book we'll link in the show notes um i forget what it's called but something nonviolent communication i think it's just called nonviolent yeah yeah something like that <laughs> but what you're saying about just asking what your friends need is such a good point and i was realizing i was a little hard on myself earlier when i said that i mm. said something like this too shall pass. But before that, I asked, what do you need? And they said words of Mm -hmm. affirmation. So I did okay there. (laughs) But it's so true. Like, I think getting clear on what someone's looking for is so valuable because I there are times when I go to a friend and I'm genuinely looking for them to like draw me the root out of this emotion. (laughs) And there's times where I'm just like, yo, I just want you to agree with me that it sucks so that I, I like I need some validation of just like, being upset and I think one thing that really came up for me when I was reading all of this and kind of questioning like why why do I not want to ever be in like why do I not want to be sad like what what does that bring up Mm -hmm. and for me I think it honestly comes down to the fact that I and I think I've talked about this early on in the podcast is that I put a lot of my worth in being someone who is positive and who brings quote unquote good vibes yeah. or I'm um, or as like an entertainer like I that is who I who I think that is what I think people want me to be in oh. order to like be valuable and so 
I think it's really easy to think that you're worth less when you aren't showing up that way. And I, I feel like people who sort of think of themselves as optimists would probably agree with that, that it's like, if that's a character trait, it's almost like an, it feels like an expectation sometimes. Yeah. And I think what's been really important for me is to be able to go like, I am worthy of love and admiration and these things, whether I'm at a 10 yeah. and I'm I'm fun times or if I'm vibrating super low and there's no good friends are going to appreciate me at both sides, ends of the spectrum. Yeah, totally. I think that we should probably wrap, but if anything... I feel like I have given myself permission through learning this to just admit that shit sucks sometimes, you know? I also think the one other big takeaway you and I had was about the way you talk about your own emotions mm -hmm. from going from I am to I am noticing I am. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that was a huge one for me from going from I am sad right now or I am sad to going I'm noticing I'm feeling sad. Yeah. And the reason why that's important is because you you are you and the emotion is a data source and that's not interchangeable. So I think that was just a – it's we talk a lot about language on here because I think that so much of what we're learning is that it really does matter and it matters in how you communicate to others and to yourself as well. Totally. And so just wanted to, to leave us with that too of like I – switching your I am mad or your I am upset to – I'm noticing I'm feeling angry or I'm noticing yeah. I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many things I feel like we could talk about on this. Watch the <laughs> TED Talk. She goes into like journaling, how she uses that to help express these feelings and process them. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot and I feel a lot right now and I'm going to go feel those things. <laughs> yeah. Be curious and compassionate to your own emotions yeah. is my takeaway. It's a good one. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm going to check some of your facts. My facts. Did My personal facts. Team facts. <laughs> okay. I'll start it off with an easy one. Okay. I pronounced reputable wrong in this. Reputable. <laughs> I just did it again. Reputable. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I say it like reputable. Reputable. Oh. <laughs> It's reputable. Yeah. Oh, this is me messing up common things all the time. Reputable. Yeah. All right. It's like I say Southern instead of Southern. People don't like that Interesting. either. Yeah, my parents are like, no. Okay. So I just wanted to call myself out on that trash pronunciation, but okay. whatever. So we talk about amplification in psychology. And so we're kind of – when we bring that up, we're talking about like how when we repress things – they often sneak back up on us in real dicey ways. So yeah. just as like a reminder, if you haven't listened to the episode on our emotions affecting our health, we talk a lot about like repression and different coping mechanisms. I have a question. Okay. Is repression the same as suppression? No, they're different. Okay. Continue. <laughs> I can find that information, but I didn't include it in this fact check, but they're different. Okay, cool. I think at least. 
Repression is a psychological defense mechanism that involves keeping certain thoughts, feelings, or urges out of our conscious awareness. Oh. So you're just like, I want to, I'm not going to think about this. Oh, okay. And research has linked emotional repression to decreased immune system function and also causes mental health issues like stress, anxiety, and depression, which in turn can cause physical symptoms like muscle tension, pain, nausea, (laughs) digestive problems, appetite changes, fatigue, and sleep problems. And then another huge study that's been done about like, I think it's called ACEs, which are acute, I'm not going to try and do it, but essentially- They've done a lot of research on how childhood trauma, which is a big cause of repressed emotions, because like when you're young and you experience trauma, you don't have the, you typically don't have the capacity to like understand and deal with said emotions. And so they often get repressed. And often a lot of children who experience childhood trauma and have repressed those emotions suffer from chronic illnesses as well. Yeah, relatable. Also, I just looked up the difference between emotional suppression and repression. Repression, like Kelsey was just saying, is not even in your conscious mind, where suppression is more conscious and like active. So you can be like, I know I'm sad, but I'm suppressing it. Or you can be like, have repressed emotions that you don't even know what you're feeling. Yeah, that you think you think you got over something, but you didn't. Yeah. So you talk about reptilian versus mammalian part of our brains. This is going to be a (laughs) test in how to pronounce things for me. Man. So you say our reptilian brain is our most ancient and is sort of like our sensation center. And so the base of our brain, which contains our our cerebellum and is Mm -hmm. directly connected to our spinal cord or brainstem, is what's considered the lizard brain or the reptilian complex. Okay. And it's the most primitive part of our brain. So all of your basic human functions that help sustain you, like keep you alive, live there. Whether it's like your heart's beating, you're breathing, you're controlling your muscles, you're digesting, things like that. You're reproducing is another one. Anything a lizard can do. Yeah. That's what you do with that part. (laughs) So that is our reptilian complex and or a lizard brain and then our mammalian brain which is also called our limbic system and is also called is also called our paleo mammalian complex <laughs> pick a name <laughs> mamma mia <laughs> that's unique to mammals which is kind of obvious if it's called mammalian And that's our center of emotion and learning. So that's like your motivations, your emotions. And um, we now associate that with feeding, reproduction, and attachment behaviors because we associate emotions with those things. So your limbic system evaluates everything as either pleasure or pain. And essentially, our survival is predicated on avoiding pain and repeating pleasure, And so your limbic brain also contains your amygdala and your hypothalamus, which I thought this was super interesting. Don't register concepts of time whatsoever and can't use logic. Like they're not logical and they're not time bound. So that's why when someone has like PTSD or certain things like that, when it's an emotion that's that's living in your mammalian brain – The fact that it happened 20 years ago is irrelevant to that part of your brain. The emotions that come up when you talk about it 
are associating it as if it's happening right then, essentially, I think is how to. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally right. That's so cool. I think I got that wrong. I don't remember how I was saying this, but I think I got it wrong. I, th- I You're pretty close, I think. Okay, partially right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, your logic can't quite get through. And then you have your prefrontal cortex, which can use logic from my understanding. And so while something that's happening in your mammalian brand, brain, brand, I was doing so well, brand, <laughs> your mammalian part of your brain can't use logic, your like logic center can. And so I think what we were kind of talking about is how to deactivate emotions getting activated with more by using your mammalian side as opposed to trying to go like, no, you're fine. You don't feel this way like logically. And that was about like activating the vagal nerve, which I think I'll let you take away from here. Okay. I'm going to do my best (laughs) to to find this one. Someone might be listening and be like, not quite. Wrong. (laughs) If you're a doctor, like come on the podcast, please. You're (laughs) a guest. (laughs) Okay. Here's my swing at this. So the vagus nerve is the main component of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is like the rest and digest immune response, heart rate, mood center. And it's the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system, which is like fight or flight, bad, bad vibes system. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scientific bad definition. Vibes. Yeah. Bad vibes. <laughs> so why vagal tone is what they call it is so important is because the stronger your vagal tone, the better your body is at reacting to stress and becoming relaxed, basically. Yeah. I think that we maybe were talking about a couple like exercises and you want to activate your vagus nerve. I don't know if I said deactivate. I don't know what I said. Ignore everything I said. <laughs> but how to activate your vagus nerve, you can do deep, slow belly breathing. Chanting is one that I re- learned recently, which is interesting. So like the ohm chant in yoga, that's what that's doing. Cold water face immersion after exercise. Nah, nah. <laughs> okay, there's a couple of weird ones. This one's saying like gargling with water, loud singing. But yeah, oh, a lot of like singing. hell yeah, deep breathing things. And I think singing and chanting, it's all kind of related to your breath. Me in my car singing Olivia Rodrigo at full blast. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm so mentally fit. Yeah, you're getting fit. So just breathe a bunch and then you'll be able to react to stress better. Well, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I love how this is a fact check and we're like, these might be facts. I think so. I'm not a scientist. (laughs) Um, I also think it's so interesting because so much of movement and the things that I find interesting about movement as a at something that benefits your mental health, like regardless of the endorphins and like that type of thing, but actually just opening up your body to different types of movements and sort of tapping into parts of your body that and positions that maybe you're not normally in. I think like we hold so much in parts like different areas in our body. And I know like in some of the classes I take, they'll have us like tap on our body with our, like with our hands, almost like you're knocking on yourself while you're kind of like wiggling. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like a method to the madness. Like there's reasons for kind of like tuning in to what your body is feeling in different areas. And that's why sometimes people get really emotional when they do certain movements because it's you're opening something up that you can't open with just like conversation and things like that. 
Yeah, that's similar to I. We've talked about this before. I think we talked about it in this podcast. But when I do the somatic experiencing exercise with my therapist, you can go into like a physical sensation and basically mm-hmm. ask it what it's holding on to or like what the mm-hmm. message is. And it's a, a big emotional release. And it's really, really interesting. Tiring too. But it sounds similar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was trying to do breath work for like the first time the other day. I did a class <laughs> where they were doing it. And with that too, you're essentially breathing on a certain – like in a pattern quite heavily, way, way more heavily than you would if you were chilling. And <laughs> this is the scientific explanation <laughs> of breath work. There's a lot more to it, I'm sure. But you essentially, if you do it right, you should start to feel like physical sensations in your body, like tingling and things like that. So I'd be curious, even from like a breathwork perspective, that's relationship with like somatic experiencing and like how you're almost causing yourself to... (laughs) Kyla's making fun of me. It's all connected, dude. More on that later. No, yeah, that that totally makes sense. It's the mind body connection. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, coming soon to mainstream medicine near you. (laughs) So (laughs) we also, I wanted to just, I kind of refer to some studies, and then I don't really give much context. So I just want to provide a couple of the examples. So. A 1997 study looked at the effects of emotional suppression on stress. So two groups were shown disturbing medical procedure films. <laughs> lucky, <laughs> lucky participants. And their stress responses were measured. One group was asked to express their emotions while watching, while the other group was asked to suppress their emotions. Here's the aha moment. Group Ooh. two was found to be... <laughs> that's not my... <laughs> Okay. Eureka. (laughs) That's so not something I would say. Here's the kicker. Group two was found to be worse off than the group that expressed their emotions. They had worse cognitive functioning since inhibiting emotion takes a whole lot of brain power. Not to mention the increased physical toll. Researchers found that they had increased sympathetic activation of the cardiovascular system. So the bottom line is essentially the more you suppress your emotions, the more damaging it is for you. And unless you're a psychopath or have psychopathic tendencies, the only solution to this cycle of negativity blocking is to actually have like a cathartic release. Wow. No wonder we're so tired all the time, y'all. Yeah, what the heck? A 10-year... Stanford study found that look at me found that denying negative feelings as a coping mechanism was linked to higher levels of depression. Another study in 2011 found that people actually felt more sad when others expected them to not feel negative emotions such as sadness. Hmm. So don't don't say no to feelings, you know. And just a couple other things we touched on were we were talking about how when you're supporting a friend a good thing to remember is to not always try to be an expert like you don't need to hit them with that Oprah level support you can just be there and hear them and you don't necessarily need to offer advice or opinions and sort of the golden rule of toxic positivity is to only offer advice and opinions when you're asked to do so like not to 
start there. So I think that that's just a good takeaway that I came back to around like when, when to say things like, you know, finding the silver lining. Otherwise, just sympathize or empathize with your pals or your people. And another big thing they talked about when trying to practice behavior that isn't toxic positivity is always pause before you reply to someone. So our reaction can sometimes be to try to like patch things up or or like just say something to fill the silence. And so a big part in learning how to move away from those like that toxic positivity is just to take a beat before you jump into whatever you're about to say. That's good advice. Yeah. It reminded me of our favorite little Instagram account, We Are Not Really Strangers or whatever, had a post the other day that said, be as committed to understanding others as you are to being understood. That's nice. I like that a lot. I don't know if I'm very committed to being understood. Well, I think people like love to share their opinion on things as the two of us speak into microphones. <laughs> what do you mean (laughs) what (laughs) people really like to share what they think about things I think yeah that's fair so it's about learning to be an active listener and not just be like well what I think is you should do this like just you know yeah wow I learned a lot from this episode dude me too I think we'll have a part two once we hear how once we hear how the people feel about it (laughs) because I think there's a bunch of different avenues we can go down you know yeah okay (laughs) let us know what you thought of this send us some dms at educated messes like comment leave us reviews please it helps people find us um and i think i said this last time but sharing word of mouth is the primary way that people find podcasts so share share on your instagram story yeah tag us (laughs) okay i'm done (laughs) okay bye bye